Good morning, Faith Church, man. Welcome. It's great to see you guys here today. We are starting a brand new series just talking about kind of the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at some big themes that are found in there and uh, just see what God has to say. But man, I'm glad you're here. We are headed into the hot times of summer, and I know a lot of people are going to be on the river, a lot of things happening. But thanks for making time to be here this morning. Again, want to make sure you're here. I know we've already promoted it, but make sure you're here for Dad Fest. And we want to make sure we make this, uh, make this public. If you have a muscle car, again, you're welcome to bring it. Make sure you park it out there. You don't have to babysit it. It'll be taken care of, and you can still be a part of one of the services. But it's going to be in a great day, amazing time. Bring your dad, bring your friends, bring your friend's dad, but show up with somebody. Um, well, listen, uh, I had posted uh, on Facebook, on social media. If you're not following me, I'd love to connect with you. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all those. But um, posted on Facebook a couple days ago just a couple questions just kind of an interview out there. And here are the two questions I ask. I ask these two questions. One, what's some of the greatest advice your parents ever gave you? And two, if you could travel back in time to the time where you're 15 to 18 years old, what's the advice you would give yourself? What's the one thing you wish you could go back and tell yourself? I would encourage you to go back. I got received hundreds of responses through different means and a lot of good stuff there. Uh, what I want to focus on for a few minutes today, getting into this brand new series, Wise Guys, is some of the things that you said you wish you could go back and tell the younger version of yourself. Let me give you kind of uh, some of the ones that just are a little bit funny. Uh, someone said, if I could go back, go back to, uh, to the, the me version of 15, I would tell them to stop eating so much you're making me fat. <laughs> I could agree with that. Someone said, I'd tell them to buy stock in Google and Apple. Someone put, I would say, leave all your Star Wars figures in the package. They're going to be worth a mint. A couple ones that are a little more practical, the direction I want to go. Listen to this. Someone said, uh, I would tell myself, um, you're going to live a long time, so take care of your body. Someone said, friends will, be, uh, friends will come and friends will go, but family really is forever. Someone put this. I love this. A young girl put this, uh, or a girl put this. She said, if I could go back and talk to my 15-year-old self, I would say, marry a man who loves Jesus. Be patient and wait for that man. Good stuff. Uh, someone put this, uh, choose wisely who you surround yourself with because who you, choose, uh, who you choose will strongly influence who I eventually become. Someone put this, go to college right after high school because going back as an adult with the world responsibility sucks. <laughs> I love this. Someone put, I would tell my 18-year-old self, don't use credit cards and stop living beyond your means. Someone put, if I could go back, I would give myself this advice at 15 years old. It would be to always walk with God and apply who he is to every area of your life. Basically, as you look through all these responses, hundreds of them, they all kind of keep revolving around the same themes. And basically this, know your value. Don't allow bullies or bosses or people to tell you your value. Your value comes from your creator. Another common theme was know your potential, that you really can do anything. If you'll work hard, if you'll set your mind to it, if you'll not allow people to talk you out of things, that you really can do anything. Uh, one that I've seen a lot, and I, in fact it moved me, uh, the thing I've seen over and over again is, uh, man, your, your parents aren't, aren't around forever, enjoy them while you can. I, would, I got emotional reading those so many times, I eventually called my parents and uh, had to talk with them to make sure they're still alive and uh, got to love on them for a little while. But here's the thing, I love this. This is what I found more than any answer over and over and over and over again. It's basically, I would tell my 15 to 18-year-old self that your parents know what they're talking about. Woo, I love that, yeah. We, we eventually get through just too late. In fact, here's just a couple real quick answers. Mother is right. 
Listen to your parents, girl. They're the ones who will always have your back. Listen to your parents. They end up being right every time. And my favorite answer, again, the question was, what's the, what's the best advice your parents ever gave you? And they put question number one, don't do it. And what would you tell your 15 to 18 year old self? And they put, don't do it. <laughs> Here, here's what I found is basically this. And here's where I want to go is, is I think we all, if we could go back in time and, and we can't, but if we could go back in time, we would all have some advice. We would all have some input for a younger version of ourselves. And here's why. It's because we have discovered as we've lived life that we've learned from our experiences and we wish we could take those experiences back in time and impart them into our younger self. And here's why. So we wouldn't make the mistakes that we made. Because we all know this is true. We all know that experience is a wonderful teacher. But what I want you to see today, and as we start this series and we go into all the way through this book of Proverbs and through the series, what I want you to know is this. While, while experience really is a wonderful teacher, experience is a painful teacher. If you have to learn through experience, you are probably learning the hard way. There has to be a better way. There has to be. In fact, I know a couple years ago, I, um, I was putting together a trampoline. Anybody remember the time everybody had a trampoline in their backyard? My, um, I went and got a trampoline for our kids, and, and I made the dad mistake that dads make, and that's I'm too cool for directions. I was like, who needs stinking directions? And uh, so, man, I pulled all these parts out. It looked pretty simple, right? I mean, you got just a big piece of canvas in a circle with some springs. Hook the springs to the canvas, to the circle. You got a trampoline. And so, man, I put the circle together. I put the canvas in, hooked these springs up. There's like a hundred springs. Took me like a half hour, 45 minutes, hook all these things up. And I'm like, ha, all I gotta do is hook these legs up. And I go to hook the legs up and I can't get them right. So I gotta, I have to humble myself to the directions. And it says in big, like bold letters, do not put the circle and the canvas together first. Make sure you put the legs on first. Here, the way you put the circle together has to do with the legs fitting on right. So I had to pull this whole thing back apart. I almost just took it back to Walmart and got my money back. I didn't cuss, but I wanted to, but you know, we get this thing all the way together, right? And I'm like, listen, I just should have read the directions. I'm just telling you, I learned, I read, I humbly submit myself to directions. Anytime I buy something new, I'm going to read the directions. Why? Because I learned the painful way uh, is, is, is experience. It's a, it's a great teacher, but it's a painful teacher. In fact, if, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Again, the problem, with the, learning, uh, the problem with learning from experience is it can be a painful process. How many of you guys know that's true? And so what I want to propose to you is, again, while it is a way to learn, it's not the only way to learn. In fact, I would say this, that experience isn't even the best way to learn. We've all heard it said like this, that hindsight is twenty twenty. I wonder how many of us in this room have gone through life and we've experienced exactly that that we look back and we could see it so clearly after it happened. Like we weren't sure what to do. We weren't sure what decision to make. And after we went through and we looked back, it was oh so clear. Well, here's what I want you to know. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a God person, if you're a faith person, here's what I want you to know. I want you to be able to buy into. While, while hindsight is 2020, while experience gives us the ability to see things clear, I want you to know that God's foresight is 2020. That if we can tap into a true walk with God that we don't have to learn by experience the hard way. We can have the wisdom we need on the front end to make good, godly, helpful decisions to get us the direction we need to go. Because here's why it really matters. Because trampolines really don't matter. But here's what I know and here's what you know. That the decisions you make determine your destiny. That the decisions you make determine your destiny. The character decisions you make. 
The relationship decisions you make. Do I marry this person or do I marry that person? Do I date this person? Do I date that person? The financial decisions you make. Do we rent? Do we buy? How you manage your resources, how much debt you allow yourself to get into, how much money you put away for retirement. All of those decisions determine your destiny. And most of us in this room, we have learned relational decisions and character decisions. We have really learned the hard way. And the book of Proverbs screams for us to hear that there is a better way. In fact, the book of Proverbs, if you don't know this, is written by a guy by the name of uh, King Solomon. It's, a, it's really cool. Here's, here, let me just give you this tidbit. King Solomon wrote three books in the Old Testament. He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And uh, writing the book of Proverbs, you can actually read this story. I would encourage you to on your own. In 1 Kings chapter 3, his dad, David, the David, the guy who wrote many of the Psalms, he was his father, was king before him, his predecessor. The throne and the crown gets passed down to Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 3, man, he's out in the woods and he's just... He doesn't really know what to do. In fact, it's written this way in the New Living Translation. He says, I'm like a child walking through the dark. He's like, I just, man, being king and trying to figure out how to rule people and how to, how to do things right, how to be an authority. He's like, God, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't, I'm not really sure what to do. And so God shows up and God says this to him. Hey, Solomon, man, I love you. Man, you're, man I, I love you. And I want you to know that if you, whatever you ask for, Tell me the one thing you want and I'll give it to you. Could you imagine having a blank check from God? Woo, man, some of you would not ask for what he asked for. But Solomon asked for one thing and we have the benefit of it today. Uh, all these years later, Solomon said, God, the one thing I want, the one thing I ask for is wisdom. And God is pleased that he asked for it and gives Solomon wisdom. And he becomes the wisest man ever to live outside of Christ. And Proverbs are many of the things that he learned. And ultimately what you're going to see through the book of Proverbs is it's not a book of life hacks. It's not a book of little knickknacks. It really is a book put together with sayings. But basically what you find is this. Solomon is saying, if you'll listen and heed these words, you can have a successful, prosperous life. And so we're going to look at some of the major themes through this series. But I want you to see where Solomon, one of the things that he says right, in, right towards the beginning of the book of Proverbs in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, he says this. Everyone read this with me. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Now, again, most of us in this room, if I said, hey, what's the wisest thing you could ever do? If I were to ask you that question, I would say some of you would say, Pastor, I feel like the wisest thing I can do is, is make sure I get a good job. I feel like the wisest thing I could do is to make sure that I finish my college education. I would feel like the wisest thing that I could do is to make sure that I'm a good dad or I'm a good mom. And while all of those things are good, what he says is, is there's something deeper than that. There's something that's a foundation to being a good student, to being a good parent. There's something else below that, below the surface. He says the most important thing you can do is get wisdom. So let me ask you the question, if the most important thing that we can do is get wisdom, here's a question today that I want to try to answer. How do we get wisdom? If the most important thing we can do, if the wisest thing we can do is get wisdom, how in the world do we get wisdom? And again, most of us, we have learned the hard way through experience. I want to learn through God's way. And here's kind of the way that I live this is people ask me as their pastor on a regular basis, people will come and pose their problems to me and ask for my help or prayer or just some insight or some counseling. And a lot of people ultimately say this, hey, pastor, if, if this was your decision, what would you do? 
Pastor, man, I, got a, I have a job opportunity, and if I go, man, it looks really promising. It's, it's, not, it's not a sure thing, but if it works out, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to have better hours. You know, Pastor, hey, if you were me, what would you do? People come, like some of you in this room, and you've got family problems and relationship problems. People come, and, man, their kids are just making bad decisions, and they're just so discouraged and so frustrated, and they'll come and just want me to pray with them and try to encourage them. And, and it almost always comes out at some point, hey, Pastor, what would you do? And I want to tell you today what I would do. I want to tell you what I believe is is a very simple formula, if you will. In fact, if you've been in church, I'm not going to say anything really great revelation today, but I think it's needed and necessary for every one of us here. I believe the way that we get wisdom, if you were to ask me the question, Pastor, what would you do if you were me? There's four things I would do, and you can write these things down in your bulletin. Number one, if I was in a situation where I didn't know what to do, If I was in a place where I needed to know what my next step was, if I was to go right or left, if I was to, if I was to go to the job or if I was to stay in school, if I was to marry this person or keep dating this person, if I had a big decision, the first thing that I would do is I would pray and fast. None of you even blinked. You know why? Because man, we hear, we hear prayer in like this really crazy context. Like it's a spiritual thing that we don't really know how to do. We don't do well. We don't sound like the pastor when we do it. So we just don't do it at all. Let me tell you what it is that you have a link up and hook up with the living God. You have an opportunity morning, noon or night, any moment of any day in any situation, you have the ear of heaven bending your way who wants to hear what you're going through. And when you talk to him, he is willing to talk to you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I'm saying the God of all heaven and all earth is willing to speak to his children. And that's what prayer is. If I didn't know what to do, the first thing I would do is absolutely, I would begin to fast and I would begin to pray. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of James, book of James chapter one. Come on, read this with me. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he'll not rebuke you for asking. Think about what he says here. He's saying, hey, listen, if, if you're not really sure what to do, if you're in a why, at a why in the road and you don't know what to do, he says, hear me, this is the thing you got to do. You got to ask. Everybody shout, ask. Ask. Well, who do you ask? Not just God. I love the way the Bible describes him. He is our generous God, which says two things about God, is that he has more wisdom than you need. And number two, he is more than willing to give it to you. I don't know if anybody knows people like this. We're, we're by the river. And so um, I, I'm not really a fisherman, but I know this about old fishermen. Old fishermen have old fisherman tricks. Then they have old fisherman spots, and they're not going to tell you where they fish, and they're not going to tell you what lure they use. Listen, you ask them, you got to figure it out on your own. Have you know what I'm talking about? Like they've been fishing a long time. It's like you got to figure it out yourself. I want you to know that God is not in heaven saying, hey, you got to figure it out yourself. God is in heaven, and when we come to him and we ask him, he's a generous God who gives those who ask a generous amount of wisdom. How cool is that? And I love the end of this verse where he says he doesn't rebuke those who ask. I'm really, I'm going to be honest. When my kids come and ask my opinion, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to try to give them the right answer. But I started thinking about this verse and I thought, you know, sometimes I probably make my kids feel bad when they ask me things. Is anybody else that way? Like I'm, I might answer with like a little bit of attitude, like you're 18. You don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'll give them the answer, but I mean, after I made them really feel really bad for not knowing it, I thought like, you know, gosh, I want to be more like my heavenly father. 
So I want you to know this. Hear me. You maybe have gotten yourself in a situation or you're in the middle of a bad time right now. And, and God could easily look at you and say, how did you get there? What in the world? Why did you even end up there? Why did you make that decision? Hear me. I want you to know this. And he'll not rebuke those who ask. He's not going to look down on you for asking. In fact, no matter how old you are, no matter how far along you are in any stage of life, here's what I really want you to know about the book of Proverbs is that it's never too late to start making right decisions. You may feel like, Pastor, I'm so far into this. I'm so far into debt. Man, my relationship is so broken. There's no way out of here. And I want you to know that you can start navigating your way to healthy finances, healthy relationships, healthy character, healthy occupation, one decision at a time. And it can start today if you'll begin to pray and ask. Listen to what he says here uh, in the book of Proverbs. Solomon says this. Come on, read it with me. He says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. I want you to hear the urgency he says this. It's not like this casual, like, hey, God, when you get some time, maybe, like I could use a download. He says, they're like, if there's like a real urgency in you, God's going to answer. In fact, he goes on and tells us, describes how this urgency should shine. Watch this. In verse 4, he says, search for them. Search for this wisdom as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. And verse 6 says, read it with me. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth. Come knowledge and understanding. Man, I I love this. I'm going to tell you, uh, several years ago, uh, the first church I was the lead pastor at, we had a daycare in the church. And... um, so we had this little Christian daycare happening in the basement upstairs, church going on. And my business administrator at the time, she was the business administrator of the church, and she was also the daycare administrator. And as the church grew, her responsibilities grew, and I didn't really feel like that she could manage both effectively. So I approached her one day, and I said, hey, listen, uh, Denise, you're going to have to choose. Like, if you want to be the business administrator, then, then we're going to replace, the, the, replace somebody to take over your responsibility with the kids. But if you want to be the daycare administrator, that's okay. We'll find somebody else to take care of the church responsibilities. And, man, she said, I love the church. I'm going to stick with this. Well, unfortunately, she took it upon herself to appoint one of the workers as the next daycare administrator. Totally not in her authority to do. She just kind of made that assumption. And she asked this young girl that had worked in the day for, daycare for a couple years. And uh, not long after she took over this position, really kind of unbeknownst to me through this short transition, uh, it, I, I found it out and found out about the same time that she had recently moved in with her boyfriend. Now, regardless of how you feel or maybe I feel about a person living together unmarried, I think we can all agree with this, that it's probably not a good look for a Christian daycare administrator to be living with somebody and not be married to them. So I approached this person and I talked to him. I said, hey, listen, um, you know, I, I get it, but, you know, I just can't have you in the position you're in, in the lifestyle you're in. You're going to have to pick one or the other, the lifestyle, the position. In fact, even gave her 60 days. I said, I'm going to give you 60 days uh, to make a decision, give you 60 days to move out. I know sometimes it's, it takes time to move. I'll give you 60 days. If you're going to move, I'll give you time to move out, and we'll hold the position for you. Felt like it was handled with, uh, with, with ethics and grace. I walked away from the conversation feeling pretty great. Uh, give you one more caveat to the story. Her mom, her mom was actually one of my board members as well. And so the next day I walk into the office, I feel like this whole situation is squared away. And, uh, and I hear my, my fax machine kick on. Some of you guys remember the older fax machines? Like it sounds like metal grinding in the other room. <laughs> so I went in and I grabbed this fax up and I read it. And here it's from an attorney. She went to see an attorney after our conversation and was suing the church. And I was like, <laughs> and like all of a sudden, like all the, like that piece was gone. I'm like, oh, what do I do? 
I'm just going to tell you guys, listen, I lacked wisdom. I had no idea what to do. I've never been sued before. Certainly never been sued as a church before. I started thinking like she's going to turn this into like an aerobic center. It's not going to be like Destiny House anymore. That's the name of the church. It's going to be like Kristen's aerobic center. And like, I'm going to be like her towel boy. It's going to be awful. What do I do? And so listen, I'm telling you guys, listen, because these little four things I'm giving you, they're not like good advice that I pulled out of the book. Like if you asked me, pastor, if you lack wisdom, if you didn't know what to do, what would you do? I would pray and fast. I went home that night. I told my wife, I said, listen, I don't want dinner. I just got to get with God. And I went, we had a little side room and I went in there. I just prayed and prayed and she went to bed and I stayed up and I was just restless and I'm praying and I'm reading and I'm praying. And I just want you to know that in those moments, God spoke to me. Do you know why? Because he said he would. He said, if anybody lacks wisdom, you ask me and I'll give you a generous amount. I'm going to read to you the scripture that he dropped in my heart. You know what I was reading? I was reading the book of Proverbs when it happened. This is the verse that he dropped in my heart. You can look it up on your own. Believe that it's there. Proverbs 2.16, this is the verse that he gave me. Wisdom will save you from this immoral woman. All of a sudden, man, my shoulders went back. I was like, you know it. I was like, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. I was like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Like all of a sudden I got, do you know why? Listen, because when you pray and fast and you hear God speak to you, listen, it doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what circumstances say. When you really go after God and God begins to lead you and God begins to give you wisdom, it gives you a brand new confidence in situations that seem overwhelming. All of a sudden they feel manageable when God begins to speak. And so if I were you, the first thing I would do is I would begin to pray and I would begin to fast. Number two thing, if I was you, I would do. Number two thing that I do when I'm not sure what to do is I'd read my Bible. Now, again, I know that's not profound. I know that's kind of the pad answer, the Christian answer. That's the Jesus answer. That's the Christianese answer. But listen to this. Think about this. Genesis 1-1. Watch, watch, watch. Everybody pull in. In the beginning, God created everything. Genesis 1-2. And God said a word. And God said, let there be light. And quasars and stars leapt into creation with a word. So if one word from God can do all of this, what can one word in your life do? And so that's what reading the Bible is. You're not reading like just an old ancient document. Now, now hear me. Some of you, I know, listen, some of you, if you got me together, you'd be like, Pastor, I try to read the Bible and I just don't understand it. You know why? Because you're reading the book of Leviticus and like slaughtering and lambs and blood everywhere. And you're like, I don't get it. Yeah, stop reading Leviticus. Some of you are reading Revelation and stars falling in and wormwood and people dying. Stop reading Revelation. If you're new to Scripture, new to the Bible, jump into Proverbs, jump into Matthew, jump into Luke, jump into an easy place. Listen, if you don't know how to swim, you don't jump off the 30-foot dive into the deep end, okay? That's where you drown. Just wade into the shallow end. Get your rubber ducky on and just wade on out. Just get wet. Listen, you'll eventually get out to the deep end, but just get in the shallow end, okay? Start reading your Bible. Listen to what the Bible says, Psalm 119, 105. Read it with me. Your word is a lamp to guide my, we're going to talk about that word, and a light for my path. Notice, notice it doesn't say that it's a light that will light up everything I need to know. Here's what I have found out when you don't know what to do and you pray and you read God's word. He'll give you the next couple steps. 
He don't give you the next 10 steps. He don't give you the next 20 steps. He doesn't light up your entire destiny and you can clearly see where to go. God says, I just want you to know, if I show you the next step, are you even going to trust me enough to take that? If you take that step, you know what happens? He lights up the next step and the next step. So it comes, hear this, again, you may not feel like you understand enough to read the Bible, but if you'll start reading the Bible, God will use his word in your heart to direct your steps. I promise you. Not because my promises work doo-doo squat. His promises, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. God says, I will use my word to guide you and direct you and enlighten your path. Listen to the way, uh, listen to the way Proverbs says it, Proverbs 6.23. says, for their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is a way to life. People who tell me, Pastor... I want to know what God's wisdom is for my life, but I refuse to read the Bible. It's like somebody saying I'm hungry, but I refuse to go to the kitchen, refuse to go to a restaurant, and refuse to go to the grocery store. If you are hungry, there are some key places you need to go and get fed. And if you need wisdom, there is a key place that we go to to get wisdom, and it is the Word of God. So listen, there, there are studies that say the average American has 4.5 Bibles. Not sure how you have a .5 Bible. But listen, find one, dust it off, get it out from underneath a bed somewhere or off of a rack. Get that thing out and start reading it. If you need wisdom, God wants you to find it. He's not hidden it, but he's put it in a place that if you're willing to look, you'll find all that you need. Number three, number three thing, that if you don't know what to do, you, again, you can do the hard way. You guys can keep doing the hard thing, keep learning by experience, but I think there's a better way. The better way, listen, number three, is ask godly people. Ask godly people. Ask some people who know and have maybe the answers that you think that you need. Listen to what the Bible says about this in Proverbs. Read it with me. It says, plans go wrong for lack of many advisors bring success. So the Bible saying, listen, if, if you want to have success in something, then don't be afraid to ask people. In fact, don't be afraid to ask more than one person. Now, there are some things I want to kind of tack onto this that I think are important. First of all, I think uh, you, didn't sh- you probably just shouldn't ask anybody. Now, if you need worldly advice, it's okay to ask worldly people. It's okay. If, if you, like, for example, if your car keeps breaking down and, and some of us, we get there, is it, do we keep fixing it or do we get a new one? It's okay to ask a, Christ- and it's okay to ask a mechanic who doesn't know Jesus. It's, that's a real simple question. Do I fix it or do I, you know, do I move on? You can ask somebody that, or what maybe is wrong with my car? You don't need to ask somebody to come pray, pray in tongues over your car. I mean, it might help. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's okay to ask ungodly people about situations that aren't necessarily spiritual. But if you're asking questions that are very spiritually oriented, when I say spiritually oriented, I don't mean Christianese. I don't mean scripture. I mean like who you're going to marry. I mean like where you're going to go to school. I mean life questions that determine your destiny. You want to ask not just anybody. You want to ask godly people. Listen to what scripture says again in the book of Proverbs later on. Read it with me. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So if you'll surround yourself when, when necessary with not just a counselor, but maybe several people. I have several pastors that I talk to when, when I'm not sure what to do. I call, they pray with me, I pray with them, I encourage them, they encourage me. I have people in my life that I can count on. Who's in your life that you can talk to that maybe knows more than you do, that maybe is godly in a way that maybe you might struggle? Who do you have in your corner that you can talk to? Because if we're going to have the wisdom that God wants us to have, he says one of the venues 
that you can find that is in godly counselors and other advisors. Which means this, if you are posting life questions on social media, stop it! Um, I'm trying to decide, do I buy this $200,000 house in Killen or $150,000 house in Muscle Shoals? Listen, that's a life question. Listen, that's not a random question you just ask strangers on social media. Let's be honest. I know they're called friends on Facebook. I have like 4,000 friends. No, I don't. I got like eight friends. The rest of the people are like associates. Kind of honestly, most of them, if I seen them on the street, I wouldn't even recognize them. I'm not asking people on social media, write big life questions. Stop it. Hey, I met this guy, and I just want to know, do y'all think I should marry him? Stop it. Stop. That's a God question. That's a prayer and fast question. That's a godly counselor question. That's a get in the word question. That's not a social media, hey, what do you think question. Number four. Number four. This is a big one. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. Everybody say that. Do what you know to do. Listen to what James says. James chapter 4. This is a great verse. Read it with me. It says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Now, this is why it's relevant. This word right here, sin, the word is hamartia. It's, it's the Greek word for sin. And basically, here's the picture. When, if you want to think of what this word means, because we hear the word sin, and it has a pretty heavy connotation, but this is basically the picture. The picture is of an archer who pulls an arrow back and aims at his target, lets the arrow go, and totally misses the target. The word sin basically means to miss the mark, which means this, that there are things in our life that we, absolutely, we know what to do. Like, there's things we don't need to pray about it. We don't need to talk to anybody. There's things in all of our lives right now that we already know what to do and we're not doing it. Let me try, let me try that over here. There's things in our life that we know what to do, but we're not doing it. Isn't that true? And here's what God's saying. God's saying, listen, if you'll just start doing the things you already need to do, if you'll do the stuff that you already know you need to do, then the stuff that you're not sure of, it'll start to work its way out. Some of the things that we're like, oh, God, fix this. God, help me with this. God, show me what to do with this. God's like, listen, um, like I keep telling you, you need to forgive that person. And you keep like holding that grudge and you won't let it go. And you keep stirring up. Like if you'll do what I'm telling you to do there, like this thing will work its way out. God, like, man, I'm just struggling. I don't know what to do. And like, man, we're financially in this crunch. And we're not sure if we would buy this house. And God's like, well, how's your giving? Because like, I've, you know. God, this isn't about tithing. This is about, I want to know to buy that. God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But like, you know you should, right? Yeah, but God, no, no. God's like, no, do what you know you need to do and the rest of the stuff will work its way out. See, when we start loving the way we're supposed to love, we start forgiving the way we're supposed to forgive. We start doing things in the other areas of our life that we already know to do. God's saying, listen, some of this other wisdom that you need, it'll just come. Think about this, that possibly your disobedience in other areas of your life is a dam to the wisdom God wants to give you. And when you obey God, it breaks the dam and wisdom can just flood your life. Because that's what God's saying to us. Here's the real funny thing is, is for all of us in this room, I've not said anything in this room. Most of you that have been in church for several months, you've already heard, you've already heard read your Bible. You've already heard pray. You've already heard their things. I've not said anything really profound. But here's the challenge as we start today is we start going after God for wisdom because we have big life decisions that we have to make that he promises to be there. He promises to help us. 
We're not left alone. We don't have to be one of those people in this world that lay awake in fear and anxiety, wondering, what do I do? In the middle of the night, God can speak to us and give us the peace and give us the wisdom and give us the direction. But here's the greatest thing I want you to hear about God who is the source of wisdom. Last thing, and we'll close. I want you just to hear this. Is pursuing God for answers will change us in a way that getting answers never will. Pursuing God for answers will change us in a way that getting answers never will. Which means this, that if all you need is an answer and God just gives you an answer, you're really none the richer. But the process of praying and the process of seeking God in the process of reading his word and getting closer to him and knowing him more, the process of living this life, this godly life of doing the right thing even when it's not easy, doing the right thing even when it's not popular, the process of going after God, that process, come on, that process of finding the answer, the process of getting the answer, that'll make you far richer than ever just getting the answer will. See, wisdom is not a destination, it's a journey. And we live it as a journey It changes us to make this thing. See, an answer is just the religion. That process, that's this relationship. That's what we're called to. While I sat in that that room and heard the Lord speak to me, Proverbs 2.19, I felt at peace. But you know what really made me feel at peace was that God spoke to me and that he was with me. Let me just let you know how that story, I didn't tell the end of it in first service. So I went back to this girl, and I just felt like God just said, hey, the immoral, the, the, you know, wisdom will give you, man, that victory. will give you that victory over the immoral woman. I went back to her, and I said this. I said, hey, Kristen, listen, we've known each other for a long time. I know you're not really living for the Lord here. I used to know you when you were a young girl and you loved the Lord. I want you to know that I love the Lord. I'm going to keep following him. I just want you to know that the church has more resources than you have, not because we're a church and you're you, but because I believe God has our back. So if you want to go to court, let's go to court. I want you to know that I'm all in for the fight and I'm believing God for the victory. But I believe that you know better than this. And I believe that you believe this is the worst decision you can make is bring a lawsuit, not against the church, but against the God right now that you're serving. So if you're really at peace against suing Jesus, then let's go to court. But I'm just believing that you just know you need to back now. The next day, got another fact. Open it up. It was her attorney writing a letter. Hey, we're going to drop the lawsuit. You know where that confidence came from? Wisdom. Not from an answer, but through that process of knowing that God was with me. And so I want to pray for you today all over this room. As we start this journey through the book of Proverbs together, God is going to begin to give each and every one of us in this room the wisdom that we each desperately need. Father, we're so grateful today that, God, again, your promises are true. I know there's some here in this room that may not be sure. God, they heard some of the verses and they've heard some of the promises and they're not sure. But I pray that, God, as we put these things into practice, as we walk these things out, I pray that, God, the big situations that are in front of us, the big decisions that we have to make, I pray, God, that your answers would come flooding from heaven. That you would give each and every person in this room the wisdom that they desperately need. Father, I thank you in advance that you are a generous God, so full of mercy and grace. I pray, God, flood each and every one of our hearts, not just with wisdom, but, God, with peace, with grace, and with joy. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Listen, I want you to head out. Yeah, we're, the worship team's going to do a song. Let's just hang out for a few minutes. I want you just to give you a moment, man, with the Lord and uh, allow him to speak to you just as we do this song one more time. So let's hang tight.
Come on, worship team.